America. Thank you for tuning in to American Dispatches. Once again, we are the news entertainment podcast that provides you just a little snapshot of the most impactful stories from home and abroad. Here's some stuff you need to know today, February 15th. I'm your host, Vic. I've traveled to 105 countries, hold a BA in international relations, an NBA, been a contributor to Soldier Fortune magazine, and was blown up by ISIS. All of that was in the pursuit of knowledge and American stories worth telling. That's what we try to bring you here every day. You're listening to episode two. Putin may have created a Slavic Nelson Mandela as he's thrown his top opposition leader into a prison camp. Cuba opens up its economy in sweeping reforms. How this could impact relations with America and why we could all be drinking mojitos in Havana not too long. Oil companies start buying up all the EV charging infrastructure around the world as they shift to a world without oil. And Biden uses the Korean War Era Defense Authorization Act to speed up vaccination efforts. We also have a segment we like to call Man Period Radio or MPR. Most days it's a busy one, so let's get to it. All right, on to Mother Russia, where Putin has arrested his top critic. That's Alexei Navalny. He's an opposition leader there. Very quick background on this. Putin has been in power for about 20 years. He does remain popular, but they're also, uh, Russia's very well known, their political system is very well known for crushing any dissent or opposition. This guy, Navalny, has been poisoned twice. Uh, most recently, he was on a flight to Siberia last year, and one that international investigators deemed most likely done by actual government agents. He was poisoned with a nerve agent. So anyway, the guy goes to Germany. He's in a hospital in Germany for about five or six months decides to return to Russia where he's arrested on parole violations or probation violations for a 2014 embezzlement charge. He was charged in Russia for misuse of campaign funds in a trial that the European Court for Human Rights deemed basically illegal and probably politically motivated. Sorry, long story short, the guy's arrested. He returns anyway, knowing all this free and well, this is stuff, bad stuff's going to happen to him. And he gets arrested at the airport. Should be noted that on his flight from Berlin, his plane was expected to land at one airport. It was mysteriously misdirected to another airport where he was arrested on the tarmac. He had supporters, hundreds of supporters and reporters waiting for him at the other the other airport. So in the Volnery, seems like a fairly tough dude. He was asked, or when talking about Putin, he says, they can hold on to power using it for their personal enrichment only by relying on our fear. This is talking about the uh, the current regime. He said, on the other hand, we have overcome our fear, can free our motherland from this little band of occupier crooks, and we will do that. Truth is on our side. Stay free. Protests erupted shortly after this guy was arrested. Over 6,000 were, people were arrested across Russia, so much so in Moscow that they actually had to, they had a problem keeping the, they had a problem with overflow in the jails. The Russian government, for their part, is saying the guys that Navalny is, it's just a legitimate arrest, and he was arrested on basically campaign charges, campaign-related charges. So we'll continue to follow that, but I'm sure that's not the last we've heard of Navalny. He continues to get messages out via his lawyers. Okie dokie, on to Cuba. Cuba's announced that it will allow private businesses to operate in most sectors. Now, in previous reforms, Cuba did open up a sliver of its state-owned economy, to small businesses, but it was very limited. The taxi drivers, some farming was allowed, that type of thing. Now Labor Minister Marta 
Fietto says that they've off they've expanded that from 127 small capacity jobs to over 2,000, adding that only a minority of sectors would be reserved for the state at this point. This is after the communist country's been hard hit by the pandemic, just like everybody else. In fact, they've been horribly hard hit. So that's what happens when you're in a communist state. You don't really have a very diversified economy with certain mechanisms in place to to rebound economically. They suffered the biggest economic decline in three decades. Cuba was hit hard hit by the fall of the Soviet Union about 30 years ago. And last year's economy shrank by 11%. In addition to that, Cubans have been facing shortages on basic goods. They didn't mention what 124 remaining economic activities would be would be exempt for private involvement. But they did say it's not just the sectors themselves. It's basically an expansion where you could go from possibly, it opens the door to go from these very small uh, mom and pop type operations that are allowing now to possibly expand into larger, medium sized and even large sized ventures. So good on Cuba. Hopefully that's going to pave the way for uh, better relations with the U.S. as they're freeing their people up a little bit. As of right now, about 600,000 people on the island, or 13% of the workforce, are in those small private sector jobs, like I mentioned earlier, like taxi cab drivers and such. All I want to know is, when can I show up and get my dancing on and party a little bit in Havana? Experts are saying that it is still a communist country. Don't expect change overnight. These kind of trends take time. But it should have a trickle-down effect here in their economic life over the next coming uh months and years. It may also re-attract American political interest in the small island nation. Okay, on to Europe, where large oil companies like Total, BP, and Shell are starting to buy up assets for all the EV charging infrastructure, at least in Europe. This comes as Shell has bought Ubertricity, which operates in a bunch of European countries and right now is one of the largest players that offers charging outlets around the around Europe for EV vehicles. They've installed over 2,700 charging points, and um, in public places, over 1,500 for private fleet customers. Now, why is this important? Critics are saying that they could be doing this to choke off and restrict how easy it is for electric vehicles to charge, thus making it continually more attractive to purchase gas ones, especially in Europe where they have the type of infrastructure. They don't have necessarily the most open infrastructure as we do in the States and Canada because they're based around cities in a lot of cases that were made hundreds of years ago before the expectations of vehicles, obviously. So a lot of smaller spaces. It's just more difficult. And a lot of people have city street parking, just as we would in like, like New York, Boston, a lot of larger East Coast cities. In a nutshell... It's really expected that these companies are really seeing what's down the pipeline here. I'm sure you guys read that Chevy just announced to be making fully electric vehicles, only electric vehicles by 2035. A lot of companies are going in that direction. And the oil companies know they're going the way of the dinosaur here. They want to position themselves accordingly. You may be seeing Shell, BP, instead of gas stations, EV charging stations here in the future. All right, back to the United States of America, where Biden's authorizing the defense the Korean War era Defense Act step up vaccine vaccination efforts. It's going to basically entail a host of small initiatives aimed at accelerating mass inoculations. One of the first things done was to deploy 1,100 active duty troops 
to support vaccination sites. This is an expansion of what was previously done with just National Guard. The first of them will be arriving in California within the next week. The majority of these active duty troops are medical personnel. They've also vowed to step up 100 to expand up to 100 new sites in the next month. The administration has a target of 100 million shots in the first 30 days, first 100 days, excuse me. And we're still that's still a very ambitious goal from where we're at now. Now, part of the Korean War era Defense uh, Production Act allows Biden to actually put a cap on what's being manufactured by certain companies in direct distribution of certain products and, quote, to compel certain companies to prioritize what they manufacture. This is really only going to apply to a very niche group of pharmaceutical companies that basically the idea is that they're going to give first rights to Pfizer, Moderna, and others that are making vaccines over other companies that might use a certain component of or ingredient that goes into the vaccine. They're basically prioritizing that, no, this has to go to the vaccine and basically moving distribution and manufacturing in that, in that general direction. They're also planning to expand the number of vaccines by the end of the year. We'll see where we're at. Hopefully by Christmas, we're all vaccinated. Anybody that wants to be vaccinated has already been vaccinated. Dr. Fauci, on a related note, Dr. Fauci said just this past week that they anticipate within the next eight weeks, anybody of any age who wants a vaccine should be able to get one. Don't know if that's true or not, but we'll see. Thank you for tuning in to Man Period Radio or MPR. I'm your host, Chadwick McSmuggersons, and today we're going to be discussing the possible return of the Iran nuclear deal. I have with me our guest today, the head of the Bay Area Coalition of Super Equitable Diplomacy, Moonbeam. How are you today, Moonbeam? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Right, Moonbeam, I understand that you're a proponent of the Iran nuclear deal. Yes, absolutely, that's correct. Because both George Bush and Donald Trump opposed the Iran nuclear deal. We totally support it. What would you say to critics who point out that Iran is a country that's executed over 5,000 people just for being gay since the Iranian revolution in 1979? I would say that's probably just fake news. That doesn't sound like good old Iran. No, it's actually been reported by the Iranian government itself. Okay, well, I mean, Iran does plenty of great things. Well, critics also point out that they're a very large supporter of terrorist organizations, and they've helped fund, train, and support militias in Iraq, Hezbollah in Iran, and Gaza. And they were very active in training and equipping insurgent groups who were responsible for, directly responsible for killing hundreds of American soldiers in Iraq during the Iraqi war. I would say that's just collateral damage. Every country does its own bad things, and uh, Iran is just one of many countries. I uh, appreciate your comments today. Thank you for coming on the show. That's all we have for today, folks. The world is an exciting, badass place. Stay informed. You can do so here by tuning in on Apple or the Google Play Store. Until next time, vaya con Dios, America.